Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the podcast. This one featuring Conservative MP Anna Subri. I've interviewed Anna before on Unspun. And this uh, was a treat because I got to spend a lot longer with her. And she's very funny, very insightful, got some great uh, stories about campaigning in Nottingham. But was also very emotional, very passionate, particularly about immigration. That was the the moment, really, of the, the interview that really stayed with me afterwards more than any other. And I think it's always great with politicians. Great to have someone who's really entertaining and enjoys being interviewed and says funny things, but also to get a sense of where her political heart is uh, and the things that really matter to her and how that affects her relationship with other Conservatives, uh, perhaps including as well the Prime Minister. So it's a wide-ranging interview. She's brilliant. It was great fun. Before we uh, delve into that, though, uh, a couple of announcements. I'm delighted to say that Unspun has been commissioned for two more series, uh, including a special series during the election where we will make two episodes a week on Wednesdays starting on the 17th of May and Sundays. So Wednesdays and Sundays during the election. And you can get free audience tickets for that at tvrecordings.com. They'll be recorded, most of them, at London Studios and one at Elstree, but those tickets are free. We'll be recording at 6 o'clock on Wednesdays and Sundays. The show will be broadcast that night. Um, So go to tvrecordings.com in order to get your hands on those. And I'm doing a special election night event at the Soho Theatre, an election night lock-in, where we're going to be open through the night, hopefully. Also, I'm doing a special live event on election night. Uh, So come along to that. It's at the Soho Theatre. It's a special election night lock-in where we'll have a late bar. We'll uh, have guests. You'll be able to watch the coverage. We'll have games and prizes. And I'll be announcing the guests for that soon. But it's somewhere, whoever you support, you can come down, watch the election coverage, and we'll have some fun with it as well. So that's at the Soho Theatre on the 8th of June. Go to sohotheatre.co.uk to get your tickets for that. Um, So, lots of fun stuff coming up. Please... Enjoy Anna Super. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Good evening. Hello, welcome to what has turned into an election special. Hello. Fucking yes. Oh, Theresa May has turned into one of the best agents I've ever had. I know the Tories are costing a lot of other people work. They've given me fucking shitloads. Oh, my, I'm so excited. So let's take a quick poll. Give me a two of you definitely going to vote in the election. Yay! Excellent. Give me two if you're going to vote Labour. Yay! Give me two if you're going to vote Conservative. Yay! Liberal Democrat. Yay! UKIP. <laughs> you didn't give them long enough. You didn't give them long enough. Uh, Green. <laughs> Excellent. Good for you. SMP. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Uh, okay, so there was a. There was, I would say statistically underrepresented Labour. Um, oh, uh, well, not anymore. But historically, <laughs> give me a cheer if you would have voted la- la- Labour under a different leader. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> give me a cheer if that leader could have almost literally been anyone else. <laughs> More people. 
joining the course. Start our own political party tonight. How depressing. Um, but hey, I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> so exciting, isn't it? Just not knowing. Oh. Jeremy Corbyn has said that it's not a foregone conclusion. Um, I mean, in one regard, he's right. It could get a lot worse. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, I feel bad. I, I, as some of you know, I used to work for the Labour Party. I feel sort of less loyal to it now probably than I ever have done. But he, today in Parliament, Carly, we saw Prime Minister's question. Jeremy Corbyn paid tribute to the Labour MPs um, that won't be in Parliament anymore <laughs> after the election. I think he meant the people who are going to be resigning. <laughs> What a way for the foreman to deliver the to deliver the news. It's just incredible. Apparently, Theresa May has hinted in an interview that she thinks uh, that if God would have had a vote, that he would have voted leave. Uh, now, this has outraged a lot of people. But if you think about it, you know, he's quite old. Uh, <laughs> on the face of it, he does treat foreigners quite badly. Uh, probably when rumours went round that God uh, would have voted leave, Michael Gove said, yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> and ended the speculation. Uh, if anything, though, there, there is evidence that God might have been pro-EU, of course. Uh, his son created the first ever EU fish and bread mountain. So, uh, <laughs> just, just one person from Tim Farron's Bible class enjoying that one. <laughs> Don't smile too often, mate. It'll turn against you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, UKIP obviously have started their campaign in typically smooth style. Uh, Nigel Farage said that he won't stand for Parliament in Clacton this time because it would be too easy to win. <laughs> too easy to win. Oh, by the way, uh, just another news. Um, the shows that was going to do at Wembley Stadium I have cancelled. It's just too much hassle. Uh, <laughs> or I could have sold it out, obviously. Uh, you guys would have all said I mean, what a stupid thing. He then went on to say, compared to what I can achieve in Strasbourg, there's no point going into Parliament. <laughs> he would rather work in Europe. <laughs> compared to what I can do in Strasbourg, the place I've just spent 30 years trying to abolish. <laughs> that just sounds like a man trying to convince himself as well, doesn't it? Well, I prefer Strasbourg anyway. I don't want to come to your party. No, I, I, I prefer staying in. At least I don't have to queue for the toilet. <laughs> Quite sad stuff. Um, obviously, this is now uh, taking a different turn, as UKIP general election campaigns always do. Um, they are now campaigning to ban the burqa. Uh, or as they put it in their integration agenda, ban face coverings. Now, this has led to a number of clarifications, including a press conference yesterday. They had to clarify that it does not cover beekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> We are yet to seek clarification on medieval knights, welders, uh, <laughs> brides to be, uh, <laughs> the Blue Man Group, and uh, doesn't cover beekeepers uh, unless they're Muslim beekeepers, and then it's, uh, I mean, problem number two, obviously, halal honey. Uh, <laughs> it's an amazing problem for them, but this has this got me to a, a, a serious spot of bother. In fact, Jim uh, Carver, their, their foreign affairs spokesman, resigned over it. Um, now, if, if, if a policy is so right-wing that the UKIP foreign affairs spokesman can't stand by it, that's like Genghis Khan saying, yeah, I think that's a bit too much even for me, mate. Um, so they've got themselves in a real, uh, in a real problem. Uh, to be fair to them, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. I can see the point in wanting to see people's faces about communication. In fact, uh, Paul Nuttall came out and said, oh, this is just about seeing people's faces. You know, we are fascist. Sorry, fascist. Um, <laughs> just to clarify. Uh, he also came out, Paul Nuttall, this week uh, in a wonderful interview uh, and said, you know, I am a bit like Gandhi. 
<laughs> and, and in a way, he is, because Gandhi never played for Tranmere Rovers either. So. <laughs> <laughs> They've got that in common, at least. <laughs> Labour, of course, have launched their big campaign with their big idea. More bank holidays. <laughs> that's, what, that's what a country with two million, million people on the dole needs. More time off. Uh, their, their logic for this was remarkable. Uh, Corbyn put out a statement saying the four nations of the United Kingdom have never been more divided than they are under this Tory government. Mate, does he know anything about the history of the UK? The Troubles, Internment, Bannockburn. Oh, mere skirmishes compared to a rebellion on grammar schools. His, his logic for it is, I mean, part of my, my conspiracy theory on it is just his way of incrementally bringing back a three-day week by introducing <laughs> so many bank holidays. But it starts to feel really like old labour. Um, his interview with Andrew Marr at the weekend, which you may have seen, was, I have to recommend it as one of the best car crash interviews of all time. There are so many things that a leader of a party going into a general election shouldn't say in an interview, including, including this, word for word. Look, I've never been a supporter of ISIS. <laughs> so not to say that, mate. I don't remember any election previously where William A came out going, for the record, I've never been a member of Hamas. <laughs> or Ed Miliband having to come out going, look, let's set the record straight. I never have been, I never will be a member of the provisional IRA. <laughs> It's a shame, really, because it'd suit him, wouldn't it? Now he's, he's on his comeback. Uh, of course, Tim Farron's uh, Liberal Democrats have got off to a cracking start, focusing in a Brexit election on the hot-button issue of gay sex. And whether it is or isn't a sin in Tim Farron's eyes. Now, I understand the sympathy towards him, given how other people have other faiths and all the rest of it. But if it... Just say that it's not. Even if that's not what you believe, just say, of course not. Because that will shut everyone up. It's got to the point now where he's had to give an interview in his office going, I just want to be clear, I don't think gay sex is a sin. <laughs> and he said he ain't clarified it earlier because I didn't want to face a series of other questions. <laughs> which sort of raises <laughs> even more questions than the ones he didn't want to answer in the first place. But as if it was just going to go down the route of, do you think gay sex is a, is a, is a sin, Tim? No. Would you kiss a man? <laughs> Just tell us, Tim, would you kiss a man? Suck a dick? Would you suck a dick? How much more? 500 grand, would you suck a dick? <laughs> he hasn't answered the question here. <laughs> Just gonna end up with Tim Farron on June the 8th going, right, I'm up for the lot, I'm greased up, someone just fucking take me. So now we know what the battle lines in the selection are, ladies and gentlemen. Labour want us to have more holidays. Uh, the Tories are against tourism, and the Lib Dems don't care where you holiday as long as you don't bum each other. Uh, so that is, let the, let the line be put, let the battle be joined, ladies and gentlemen. So, in the second half, we have uh, a guest joining us uh, that I am most excited about, someone I've uh, wanted to invite down here for a very long time. One of the stars of the referendum campaign, and someone who has been... I think there's one cross-party support since uh, for her frank and open way of campaigning. So do have a think, uh, because at the end of the second half, I will uh, come to the audience for questions. As always, uh, you're... Oh, and by the way, uh, just in case I forget to mention at the end, we're going to do a special event on election night. Ooh. Ooh, an all-nighter at the Soho Theatre till like six in the morning. So we're going to try and get some guests down. We'll watch the live coverage together. You look and get shit-faced. And I'll... I mean, that's basically what happens every month anyway. Um, <laughs> 
but we'll be watching the election, so that'll be on sale in a couple of days. But more about that later. Uh, but for now, uh, I've been Matt Ford. I'll see you in about 20 minutes. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, in this election special, we have a very special guest. Um, one of the most outspoken uh, politicians currently in, in British politics, and I truly believe one of the most likeable. Uh, this is someone who has only been an MP uh, for a relatively short amount of time and has already made a huge impact. She represents uh, an area of Nottingham that I used to live in called Broxtow, and I'm sure whether you'll remain or leave Conservative, Labour or whatever, you will have been absolutely enraptured uh, by the rise of tonight's guest. She's one of the funniest politicians I've ever met. I've done a number of interviews with her, and she's always superb. Please give a huge welcome to Anna Subri. Thank you. Oh, that's a big deal. Oh, shit, that's a bit worrying. I've got to live up to it now, haven't I? That's all right. Welcome to the show. Well, well it's, I've never been here. It's brilliant. I love it. It's a nice place, isn't it? It is, actually. I, I can't nice see it. But they all seem very nice, yeah. And, <laughs> <coughs> and the bar's very nice, and it's, everything's nice. Excellent. Um, well, firstly, election fever. <coughs> did, you, did you expect the oh, no. to call an early election? Good God, no. Nobody did. There was speculate. Right, obviously. Oh, you are recording. You record. Oh, no, you're recording. <laughs> well, no, it's just, you know, I, off I, the record. It may be the case that there was a group of MPs who may, may happen to be in a WhatsApp group that may actually sometimes actually, you know, sort of exchange ideas and messages and that may speculate as to what was going on because genuinely and truly nobody knew what was going on. And so people were saying maybe she's stepping down because maybe something, maybe her husband is ill. Because, and then it was, maybe she's going to call a general election. Don't be fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may have been said. I mean, I don't know anything like that. So this cool. WhatsApp group, then? <laughs> which one? Presumably which Amber one? Rudd uh, has this in mind when she wants to de-encrypt. No, no. Oh, God, I know, yeah. <laughs> So Amber, Amber Rudd is a very... She's great. She's a friend of mine. And I once sent her a text. Obviously, I can't tell you what was in the text, but it may have related to the government's immigration policy. You know, the word shit might have been in it or something like that. And, and it was... I, I think we should take this, this conversation offline. So I said, well, give me a call at home. And I shouldn't tell you this. She wrote, my phone is bugged, you know. <laughs> it is bugged. I'm ringing from the house phone. <laughs> So that she makes her she a can't. Bit paranoid. No, no, it's just that I I didn't I never thought. But actually, yeah, all her phones. I suppose you think about it, it's a bit obvious. But yeah, they're all bugged. Well, not bugged, obviously. I mean, they're monitored. <laughs> <laughs> There's a key difference between <laughs> bugged and monitored. Yeah, yeah, monitored. <laughs> so I've got this horrible coat. Oh, look, here's some nice wine. That will help my throat. It's got grapes in it. Oh, it's, it's very good vitamin C. Vitamin C, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so this this WhatsApp group. And this, no. But, but how many MPs are on it? Oh, no, this is just a group of very sensible MPs who believe that... Just the two of you. Just the two <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Tories, so there's five. Who's <laughs> Labour, unfortunately, be about two. But, no, it's just, a, as you can imagine, there are a group of people who think we should you know, not have made the decision we made last June when the country took leave of its senses, but we are where we are, as we say. I said that at some meeting, actually, actually you were there. You know, I said, look, guys, you know, we are where we are, we've got to move on. And there are these people who were really angry. So I'm fed up with people telling me I've got to move on. <laughs> <clears throat> and he turned out that he goes and demonstrates outside Dining Street 
every week and he says, I get thumped. And you and I would go, I was a bit worried about this guy. Who thumps you? He wouldn't sort of say, just gets randomly thumped by people, apparently. Well, that's it. He said, <coughs> he said, it, it, this was a debate um, <coughs> at The Sun for talk radio. Oh, Anna and I were both from the panel. And this guy gets up and says... I've been protesting against Brexit and I keep getting punched in the face. And I was outside Downing Street the weekend and I got punched in the face. Oh, and when am I going to get stop getting punched in the face? And I thought IDS is around. <laughs> IDS goes around and just goes... <laughs> I don't know. It was very odd. Is that what Ian Duncan Smith does? No, 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 no. <laughs> is he quite... Because he's, he's a lot taller in the flesh, isn't he, Ian Duncan Smith, than he appeared on television? Markedly so, I would say. Ian Duncan Smith's quite a unit in the flesh. No? Are we recording this on camera or just on audio? Audio. On, on, oh, really? I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I, I, I never think of him as being particularly tall or physical in any way. But he's prone to lash out physically, is he? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not Small at all. Syndrome. No, 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 I could possibly go. No, no, he's all right like that. No, he's all right. No, he's... <laughs> Feels like there's something. I just get into such trouble. <laughs> oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, nothing changes. Well, there's an election on. Like no one's, no one's. Nobody's paying any attention. <laughs> Actually, it's really quite interesting because it looks like my party is not going to do daily announcements all the way through the election which I actually think is brilliant, because most people, by the end of it, are sort of sitting there silently wanting to take carving knives to themselves. Because it does get so intense and boring, doesn't it? And, and I, I might have been talking to a political correspondent today who said that... And then he said she, which wouldn't be. It might have been a he or a she. And said, you know, thank God, because broadcasters go, oh, today's transport day. Everybody's going to be talking about transport. And, you know, all over Britain, people are going, oh, fuck. <laughs> Because you know, they don't sit... I mean, most people are not interested in politics. It's just the thing that's over there. And then occasionally they dip into it, and they do, but it does not consume their lives, like it does most people here. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's, it's also thrilling and, and fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you must enjoy it. Oh, yeah, there's things I do enjoy, but at the moment I can't wait to get back to my constituency. I don't like being here. What? The atmosphere is... The, <laughs> I like being here. <laughs> Good job you don't live in my constituency, honestly, but, um, and, and therefore can't vote for me. <clears throat> what I mean is I think the atmosphere in Westminster has not been great. I was hilarious last week when, we all, you know, we, when the election was announced on the Tuesday, wasn't it, the Tuesday? And then, you know, your brain goes to porridge with all the things that's happened. Who could believe this last 12 months? And it was quite interesting that the number of, of hard Brexiteers who just gave me sort of evil looks... And I think it's because they were planning to make sure that people like me were going to be deselected in the, in the years leading up to 2020. And all their plans have been thwarted. <laughs> so these hard... I'm being serious, actually. I think they are. I think they really were a bit miffed about the whole thing. So how many people are we talking about then? Well, but not that many. But there is a hard core of people who are hard Brexiteers. So, and and about... it is more important than anything else in their lives. They live it, eat it, drink it and... Sleep it and everything else. I mean, it's a bit blooming sad. <laughs> but are we talking people like Peter Bone? Oh, I couldn't possibly name anybody. Uh, Philip Hollowbone? <laughs> <laughs> I saw Philip. I saw Philip today, and he'd got a Union Jack bomber jacket thing. <laughs> I've seen that one. Makes I've never seen this. Team GB. I know. Have you seen his body? <laughs> um, and I've never seen. No. 
and, and we were having our photographs taken with the Prime Minister. Yeah. And he had this bomber jacket on, and I just sort of looked at it and went, pulled a face. And he said, I don't suppose you'd want to wear this, Anna, would you? And I said, well, the reason I wouldn't want to wear it is because it looks horrible. <laughs> you know, it's shit design, it's, it's just like a blue city. What do you call them things? Awful. Not because I'm not patriotic, so I was sort of growling. So, and, and pretty sort of, pretty Patel was with me. And she just said, just leave it, just leave it. It's no point, there's no point. I said, no, but it really pisses me off, the idea that you can't be a patriot. You're not patriotic. If you, I, I, these people are just warped. <laughs> Unless you walk around in a Union Jack. Unless you walk, I mean, come on. <laughs> and, and I was really worried that he'd walk in and have his photograph taken with Theresa May wearing this jacket. What was her reaction going to be? Who is this weird man? <laughs> oh, actually, it's one of my... Oh, oh, it's you. I mean, come on. She's not going to do that, is she? Anyway, I went to have my photograph with, taken with her yeah. and she was wearing a jacket almost identical in colour to this. Yeah, we actually had a little conversation about whether we should both wear the same jacket. And you could see that moment, which sometimes women do, when you think, actually, I'm being very woman here. You go, let's not talk about clothes. Let's talk about other important issues of state and things like that, you know. And, but she's into a fashion, we isn't kept, she? But we uh, kept it on. Sorry, go It's on. something that she's talked about. She's a fashion shoot uh, with a £1,000 leather trousers and things. Do you, do you think I don't talk about these things. I am actually... I'm an old-fashioned feminist. You brought it up. Yeah, well... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought it was interesting we were wearing the same colour jacket. I mean, it could have been a man in the same colour jacket. I've got a jacket. jacket on. No, not like this, though. This is cool, Blue. But... <clears throat> no, but I just... I just can't be doing all that stuff about who wears what and all the rest. I, I'm just not interested in, in You've got very cool Let's, shoes on. Ah, these are my canvassing shoes and my campaigning shoes, so I'll be out pounding the streets in these. Are they sort of thick heels? Oh, are they, yeah, are they practical for campaigning? Oh, you need it, because you know where I'll be campaigning. I do. Uh, Anna's... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like there's something else going on. <laughs> Anna's my mum's MP. I am. And, I mean, it's a fantastic constituency and it's completely mixed. In parts. But it's now... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, now, at the moment, it's just all sort of shaken up. It's it, vote-wise, it's quite uh, remarkable what's going on. Well, to give people some context, it's uh, some of you might know it's the constituency of Broxstone, Nottinghamshire, uh, Beeston, and parts of that near Nottingham University. Um, a sort of classic marginal seat. So it went Labour in '97, absolutely, uh, and it went Conservative in 2010. <coughs> it's been Conservative in the last two as classic marginal seats. But it, I mean, it's, what do you think will happen? I mean, I think I think a lot of Labour will stay at home because they just can't go out and vote for Jeremy Corbyn, and they're not stupid. They know it's all about that. In some Labour seats, people will, will vote for the local MP, but actually I think the tide is so far out for Labour that even that one won't work for them. And so there'll be a lot of folk that will stay at home. There'll be some, obviously, of course they will, they will vote Labour. But I mean, I'm telling you now, it's, it's difficult finding them. They tend to be more middle-class people who will vote Labour. You know, the real Corbynistas, you know, they think he's the new messiah and everything. No, honestly, they, they are. They have some very odd people out there. But, uh, <laughs> no, but there, are, there are. I mean, there's 400,000 of them in the Labour Party. That's why you've got this real problem. Because even if Jeremy goes, and he's a nice man. I mean, he's a bit like your nice sort of geography teacher that was a bit sort of, you know, flaky and a bit sort of... Chalk dust everywhere and everything, and I mean, that's a very long time ago, which shows how old I am. But, but, but I mean, he's actually he's not an un, he's not an unpleasant human being at all. 
But, you know, the trouble is, even, so even if he goes, you're still going to be lumbered with Jeremy Mark too. You'd be somebody like John McDonald. Don't let get me off on that one. But that's what will happen, because you've got all these 400,000 people who think, you know... Before I inevitably now ask you about John McDonald, um, let's, <laughs> let's, just in terms of what happened in consti your constituency and, as a result, constituencies like yours, the, the, the battleground seats, do you get a sense that, as you said, a lot of Labour voters just won't vote or, or spoil the ballot or whatever? Do you get any sense of Labour voters coming to the Conservatives? Oh, yeah, definitely. Even people that have voted Labour all their lives? Yep. What sort of stuff do they say? They'll say things like... <laughs> Mm -hmm. I voted Labour all my life. Yeah. I've voted, voted Labour all my life. I'm not bloody voting for them now. I'm going to vote, I'm going to vote for you lot. And, and then I get others who will say, I like, and I like Theresa May. I've not heard one bad word about Theresa May. Not one. And people are quite honest with you. And I mean, I've literally been to hundreds of houses because we've got these county council elections on. So we've, we've knocked on hundreds of doors and, and people do like her. And I think one of it is because is because she's actually the daughter of a vicar. That may sound a bit weird. It's just that there's nothing not kind of to like about that. There's no prejudice that you could have. And it, uh, unless you're... Unless you're unless you're <laughs> <laughs> what a mess he's got into. What would you oh. have done if you were him? Well, I can't imagine being him. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I, I can't imagine having a faith that means that you can't say, well, of course it's not a bloody sin. I mean, it was... I mean, I watched the, on, you know, Catch Up or whatever, uh, the um, interview with Cathy Newman, and I was embarrassed for him. It was so appalling and bad. I mean, God almighty, it's 2017, somebody can't get it right on... Oh, it's just appalling. Because if Theresa May was asked the same question, she's got... She's got great, yeah, but she's good. But he's an evangelical. I mean, I'm not into all of this stuff. I don't really understand it all, frankly. I thought you know, God was meant to be loving and Jesus was meant to be loving. And oh, you know, you've read the wrong bit. I've obviously <laughs> had. Oh, get into the old school shit. Absolutely, but that's right. And then this idea, oh dear lordy. And of course, I mean, one of the things that Theresa May did, she was the person who was the big believer in same-sex marriage. But Farron's got himself into it. Anyway, they've got rid of this poor bloke. Well, not poor bloke, but this bloke who was, who was an anti-Semite. They got rid of him. David now, Ward. Yeah, he's gone. He'd probably standing for the Labour Party. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, they're not that desperate. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe they are that desperate. But, uh, and, then, and the gay sex... I mean, for God's sake, it's 27, I would say 2017. It's but you think that the fact that Theresa May's a vicar's daughter is part of her popularity? No, well, it's the fact that you can't, you can't put any label on her that you've you got stereotype. Daughter. What? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. But, you, but it's not, you know, it's like, I mean, obviously, David Cameron, Old Etonian. And, I mean, immediately you were coming in with a whole load of, frankly, often prejudices. But vicar's daughter... Kind of, you know, well, that means that she wouldn't have had much money. She'd have had some good core values. Kind of, what's not to like? And she's not an ev evangelical like Tim Farron. Do you get on well with Theresa May? Yeah, she's all right. I mean, I don't know her very well, but then nobody does. I mean, she does her own thing and she keeps herself to herself and she gets on with it. And that's the other thing that's going down on the doorstep is people are saying, you know, just get... I mean, on Brexit, you know, my, obviously you and I both absolutely agreed on this. And on the doorstep, people are saying, oh, for God's sake, just let's get on with it. It's not a big deal on the doorstep. And that's with Remainers as well, because obviously I check people out as to how they voted in the referendum, because you want to know what people are thinking and, you know, is it affecting their vote. 
So do you think, <coughs> the, the <coughs> Conservative, the Prime Minister's message is absolutely that this is effectively an election about Brexit, strengthen my hand in the negotiations, it's don't have a coalition of chaos. Do you think actually <coughs> that, that message might, might change from... From the Prime Minister as the, as the campaign goes No, on. not at all. No, that is going to be the message through. And actually, it's the backdrop. It's not... When you knock on people's doors, they're not saying, oh, I really want to talk about Brexit. They're not. They're just saying, yeah, life's fairly good. That's because we haven't had Brexit yet. That's an interesting point. Do you think at the point... Because the Tories seem uh, peculiarly united, or, or at least disciplined for now, going into this campaign... <coughs> I thought you were going to be sick then. Um, but at the point of exit, does that then re-inflame those sort of Tory divisions on Europe, do you think? No, I don't, I don't know, because nobody knows, Matt, what's going to happen. That's the truth of it. And if anybody had written down what's happened in the last 12 months, you would have said that's a great little story, but obviously it's the stuff of fantasy. And it's true. You know, here we are. Whatever date it is, it's April. Who would have imagined that this time last year we would be 12 months on talking about you know, losing the referendum, Cameron going, Trump getting elected, Theresa May prime minister and having a general election. And he's absolutely stunning. The really great news is, is that uh, Le Pen is not going to win. Thank Christ for that. Do you think there are any... And I do actually think, I do actually think that so-called populist tide has turned... And, and it's like other countries are coming to their senses. They get it and see it for what it is, which is it's unpleasant. Are there any people on your side of the house <clears> that do you think of any sympathies with Le Pen or would like to see her? Oh, I probably, probably do. Who? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's is funny, isn't it? There seems to be, you know, if Brexit... Actually, is... I don't know. I mean, it's... Um, I mean, that horrible man, Aaron Banks. I mean, there's yeah. people like him who think she's marvellous, aren't there? Well, that's it. If, it's if, the UKIPI nutty nutters that think that she's got... Oh, it's just well, because she's anti-EU. And like Trump, you see, Trump's got supporters. He's got a few supporters on my side. Um, but are they genuine, full-blooded Trump supporters, or are they just people that are loyal to the Republicans? And whoever I think they... there's a loyalty to the Republicans, but I think there's this idea that Trump represents the, this upsurge of populism, the, the downtrodden... Rust Belt worker and all this other... And it is crap. What the frick does he know about it? Born with actually a gold spoon in his mouth and lives in some hideous gold-plated <laughs> tower in Manhattan. What the hell does he know about real people in the real world? He doesn't. And, and, and this idea that he's anti-elitist. Oh, God, he's the embodiment of the elite, isn't he? But it's, it's about what people perceive the elite to be. And it's, sometimes it's an elite of attitudes. People feel like there are certain things they can or can't say... They may perceive that even if it's not true. And it's about, effectively, disrespect in the end is what it is, is that people like Farage and Trump are prepared to be rude and that gives them the clothing of the rebel, even though there's an establishment as they come. No, you're absolutely right. And the other thing is, you know, we talk about immigration and you can give some people all the facts in the world and it's, they just don't want to hear it because they've got a view, they've got a prejudice and they are not... You're just wasting your time. Um, except unless you can dig in on the emotional level that they're operating on, so which I quite do like doing. So how do you do that with a pro-immigration argument? Well, do I, well, one of the things I say to people, because they'll say, well, you know, I've got you know, all these immigrants, and you're going, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, what are you talking about? And they'll go, well, you know, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we've got all these immigrants. And I always go, really, where? In my constituency, where? Where are they? And they'll go, well, you know, they're coming. Are they? Are they? 
are they really coming? If they are coming, they're coming here to work. Oh, I don't know about that. <coughs> Undercut wages. That's then you give them the fact that that's not the case at all. But of course, they don't want the fact. And I play a, a really very strong card. It's very emotional because a lot of this is emotional stuff. So I have to bat it back emotionally, and I'll go and I'll get them to a place where they'll say something about EU and polls, and then I've got them. And I'll say polls, really. You know why we've got polls in Nottinghamshire? Oh, no, why is that? Because they are the people whose grandfathers flew in the skies in the Battle of Britain and more Polish men died fighting for the freedom of this country than any other nation. And I do it in that really passionate... And they Bottle go... jacket on. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, then they go, oh, I, oh, oh, God, I didn't know that. Exactly. So what's your problem? Well, I don't have a problem. <laughs> And that's say, what you I'm have. I'm not emotional as you were saying. Yeah, that, but that is the way you have to do it. You have to look him in the eye and say, "What's your problem?" And I, I, I have a. T- <laughs> and he, he's heard this story. This is a true story. This is a true story. So actually, I was on my way to the cricket about this time last year to uh, Trent Bridge, and I did some campaigning in West Bridgeford because it was a lot better than campaigning in my own constituency. <laughs> and because uh, I, I was, no, because <laughs> well, it was. I Ken mean, Ken Clark's the MP. And Ken Clark's the MP. <laughs> Isn't it great news? He's my mom. Brilliant. And he's standing again. So this man said to me, he said, well, you know, I, I'm going to vote leave. I, why, and you ask these questions, you know what the bloody answer's going to be. And he said, well, you know, I said, no, I don't know why you're going to leave. All these immigrants, and I do. We're in West Bridgeford. There aren't any immigrants. What are you talking about? And he said, he said, Newark. And it's a true story. He said, Newark. And I know Newark very well. He said, Newark, you know, nobody speaks, nobody speaks English in Newark anymore. <laughs> and I said to him, because I was really fed up, and I said, that's crap, and you know it. And I said to you, there's this thing, you know when you say to your child, you know they do something wrong, and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they've done something, or they've said something, which is really stupid, and you say, that's stupid. And they go, Mm, I know it is really. <laughs> and he went, well, yeah, all right. I, yeah. <laughs> so I said, exactly, it's crap. And they said, well, they hang around on street corners drinking beer, they. And I said, oh, like, because, like, of course, British-born lads, they never hang around on street corners <laughs> in Europe drinking beer. And I couldn't be asked in the end, and I couldn't, and I didn't have the time to want to go to the cricket. You've got but, a four-pack of lagers and, to get on with. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, and, the, and the, my, the reason I get so agitated is that nobody calls it out and nobody challenges. So on the day of the referendum in Loughborough with the great Nicky Morgan, this woman said to me about, oh, I'm voting leave, why are you voting leave? Stupid question, I know the answer. All the immigrants, blah, 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 blah. And, and in short, because it's quite a long story which I won't bore you with, but it got to the point where she was taught, she was a teaching assistant in a school and she was talking about the number of immigrants that didn't speak English and she accepted that after six months all these brilliant children were speaking English and then I said, and I bet after what, 18 months, two years, they're all top of the class and this is the tragedy. She went, oh, I'd never thought of it like that. I'd never thought of it like that. And that's the whole point. Nobody has gone out, made the argument, engaged with people, you know, eyeball them out. Say, right, what's your freaking problem? Let's get through it. Let's get the facts. Let's get the emotion and see the positive benefits of immigration. Oh, I'm on a rant. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's good because it's so rare to hear politicians, uh, uh, even conservative politicians, make passionate, emotional... (coughs) 
pro-immigration cases. You know, it's always couched in the terms of, well, we need some, you know, it has to be controlled. It's always on the other side of the debate. Absolutely. You very rarely, in fact, I think 2005 is the only general election where a prime minister's really defended significant immigration in, in quite a hot campaign against Michael Howard. But really, my biggest frustration with the new Labour years was it was never really made exactly. a big enough case of. And, and, and if you're going to let it happen, then defend it. Exactly. And, I mean, I've, you know, I, you know that there are some Labour MPs who I like very much. I have a lot of respect for them. And what makes me really cross... Well, them again. No, it, you, you, <laughs> it, it is bad. It is bad. It is bad for a lot, a lot of these guys. But, I mean, you know, there's one who I, I like a great deal. And they do this thing where they... And people say, all oh, these immigrants, I feel your pain. Well, I mean, you don't say... I mean, yeah, you're right, they undercut wages. No, they don't and you don't appease people it's like you know you're frightened of actually having an argument and having a discussion with people because they're your people no you don't you damn well make the argument and call it out and overwhelmingly when you do it you win it what hope do you have that the Conservative Party leadership will ever adopt the sort of position that you have on immigration? Well, I think they're beginning to move, aren't they, now? Because we're told, actually, we're still going to have free movement of people for a number of years after we leave the EU. Um, they've accepted that we need all these workers, not just in the fields of Lincolnshire, um, and picking the vegetables and picking the fruit and all the rest of it, but we also need people coming in from other countries to fill jobs. We've got 750,000 vacancies in this country. <coughs> That's the reality of it. And you know, I just take that very robust approach and I think that slowly, slowly, people are beginning to get it and understand it. And what they need to get and understand it, obviously, but it's only when business actually stands up and makes the arguments to them. And it's like my other half, who has, um, he's involved in a business that has potatoes and daffodils, so they need, need workers, obviously, to pick just the potatoes and all that. <laughs> yeah, that's all they do, potatoes and daffodils. <laughs> Truly. Oh, don't you want to know? They do. And, and as Neil says, you know, because he stopped throwing things at the radio. Potatoes. Well, no, no, no. Well, you know, through this whole thing. Because people would say things, he just sort of lob things. He's so angry, like a lot of us. And as he said, who's going to do the bringing work? Who do you think is going to do the work? And that's why we do actually control immigration in this country. Because the, the, the market actually controls it. And as soon as unemployment um, falls, sorry, goes up, the number of migrant workers goes down. I mean, it's a bit chuffing obvious, isn't it? But, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, this is in the context of Brexit, isn't it, where we're trying to get as, as close to free movement as we've got under the EU. Do you think we'll ever have a Conservative leader talking as passionately as you have about immigration, about how important it is, and about, the, as you say, the emotional pro-immigration argument? I don't know. Would you ever stand for the Tory leadership? Me? Oh, God, I'm too, I'm too old now. No, you're not. Of course I am. Far too old. Um, and also, I'm not... I'm, no, no, I'm, I don't know. I mean, Theresa May's going to be there for ages. And she, I think she'll be all right. She's going to do a good job. She's going down storm on... The, I actually said to her today... I may, I, it's like I'm talking to him and ignoring all of you. Do forgive me. But, um, but I, I actually said to her today, you're going down a... Going down a bomb on the doorstep, and I don't think that was the right thing to say, was it? <laughs> what, what, how did she react? I don't know, because by that time I'd been shuffled out of the room. You've been get, tasered by Mad woman, friend. get this woman out, you know. <laughs> I meant to say, I got that wrong. But no, I think, I think you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, the Labour Party is in such a dire strait, set of straits, that it's going to be, it's basically going to be buggered for a long time. So, when you talk to Theresa May, um, and obviously you've said that she's quite a private person, she keeps herself to herself and all the rest of it. Um, 
But your relationship with her is, is a professional one as well. She's the leader of your party in your country. You served as a minister under David Cameron. Do you think you would serve as a minister again under Theresa May? I don't know. Would you like I to? think it's unlikely. Well, I mean, I've got strong views. So, you know, I, I'm, and I'm, I've, I said in Parliament that having voted for Article 50, so having voted against everything I've ever believed in, um, because I promised my constituents that I would honour the result, um, I then said I'm going to be true to what I believe in from now on. I've done that bit, and from now on I'm going to do what I believe, well, I'm going to be true to my principles. And this bizarre conversation with this woman on Sunday in travel. He knows where travel is. Great. It's a very nice place, travel. And she said to me, she said, what? So somebody said, look, they've got a problem down there with this woman. She doesn't, she's not going to vote for you. She's a conservative, but she's, well, she says she is. And she's not going to vote for you. So I go down there. And she said to me, you're always moaning on, you are. You're trying to thwart it. You're trying to thwart all this Brexit. And I, and I actually said to her, I said, I voted for the bloody thing. For Article 50? Yeah, well, I said, no, I said, I voted for the, for the bloody thing, or ruddy thing, I did. And she said, oh, I was behaving myself. And she said, um, and she could see her face thinking, hang on, what are you on about? And, and I said, the Article 50, the triggering, I voted for it. And then she said, well, that's because of the whips, isn't it? And I told that to the chief whip, and he just burst out into hysterical laughing. <laughs> and, um, and, and I said, no, I said, excuse me, it's me, me. I voted for it. I said, even it was, though it was against everything I've ever been, that I've ever thought of. I said, and I did it because I made a solemn promise to you in 2015, that I would honour the result. And she was completely silent at that point. And I thought, oh, I'm all right here. And then, and then, and then, so I explained all that to her, and she said, oh, I didn't know any of that. I said, well, that's because of the Daily Mail, which obviously you read far too much of. <laughs> Have I told you my other story about this man? This is, this is absolutely a true story, right? So I'm out delivering leaflets in a place called Beeston, which you will know. Beeston oh, Rylands. Like Beeston Rylands. Down the right, no, no, down the Rylands. Yeah, is that the one, the three um, fishermen pub? Uh, yes, that's yeah. what, the, 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 yes, the Jolly Fisherman. Jolly and then there's so the canal at the bottom, you see. So you go down, go down no, the right. islands, you go down the islands, Duke. You, you haven't got a problem, go down the islands. So around the islands... Shane Meadows, so, mm, Yeah, <laughs> that, well, so that's where he did all his... You know, anyway, so I'm, did, uh, I'm doing out all these leaflets and there's this man creosoting his fence in his garden. So I always say, you're right then. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm all right. I said, I've got a leaflet for you. So he says, what's that then, Duke? So I said, well, it's actually... A, it's a Tory leaflet. And he went, oh, right, well, I don't normally vote Tory. So we I said, well, have a look at it. And I said, so how do you vote normally? They said, me, he said, vote Labour. He said, lifelong Labour. He said, whether I'm going to vote Labour, not sure. He said, mind you, he said, RMP, you know. He, he said, she's a right bloody bitch, she is. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, it's me. <laughs> I am her, he went. Well, you don't look like you. Well, you've lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> he was truly, truly mortified. I can't imagine. He, he said, oh, I'm ever so sorry. I'm ever, I'm, I'm, ever, I'm ever so sorry. I said, no, don't worry about it. And then, he went, and then he actually said to me, he said, anyway, he said, why are you all for leave? I said, what? He said, you, you want, you, you know, you're a leaver, aren't you? I said, I'm the chief bloody Ramona, me. I said, you, and I actually, I wanted to say to him, but I didn't have the guts to say, you ought to read the Daily Mail more. <laughs> <laughs> but I just saw that. Oh, them pieces are right bloody bitches. <laughs> I, I did tweet that out, actually. I thought it was hilarious. Do you, um, do you get out much of that on the doorstep? Do you ever get 
into arguments or... No, you should never get into an argument on the doorstep. But some people just want one, don't they? I mean, you... you so very... No, actually, people are quite good. I mean, the, the only... T I have to tell you, the only time people are really rude... Well, there's... The, I remember once being out somewhere and uh, handing this leaflet and this man stood there and he said, what's this then? Oh, Tories, he said. And he started ripping it up and put it in his bin and I go... Oh, I could have had that back. He went, well, it's nice to meet you, don't you talk shit, but don't worry about it. <laughs> so, yeah, that, <clears throat> which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But the, the, the worst ones are the middle... The only people who slam the door in your face are middle-class houses. And they look at you and they think, oh, you're a Tory. Oh, obviously, you're intellectually. <laughs> and they go, no, thank you. Bang. And you slam the door. They're the worst ones. And, you know, other people, it's, they'll, they'll say to you, oh, I don't agree with you, you talk crap. But it's nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they, they do say, you, you're not as fat as you look on the telly. Because <laughs> I, you don't know, I used to read the, you like this, I used to read the news in Nottingham. On, uh, central, on the telly? On, 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 on Central. Not just yeah. in the streets. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. On, on the telly, on the telly. So I used to read the news, and I used to be a reporter, but I used to read the news. And so a lot of people still remember me. So I've been doing a lot of work in Eastwood. Yeah. Now, Eastwood is where D.H. Lawrence was born. DH, and it's a proper Labour town. And I'm amazed. This is why I'm amazed at the, at the reaction. It, it voted probably 70% leave. So you'd think... Because Ashfield voted 70% leave, and Eastwood is in the borough of Broxtow, uh, but it, it will have been about 70%. And you would have thought I'd have got a lot of aggravation. And in fact, I don't. Bizarrely, people say, you're right. What are you doing here, Anna? Why are you here? Why aren't you down in Broxtow? I said, well, I just come up here to help this chap. And they go, oh, it's nice to see you, Doc. And I'll say, really? So come the, this, because we've got these county council elections. Do you think you might vote for this chap? He's a Tory. And they go... Yep, I'm voting Tory. Honestly, of, I can't tell you what it's like. Because Tories are owning Brexit, basically. <coughs> I think a lot of it is that. Because they know she's going to deliver on it. I mean, if it wasn't for Brexit, let's say... And Corbyn got it so wrong. But then he's completely caught, isn't he? He's caught between his core vote that <coughs> voted out and his more middle-class intellectuals that voted remain. Well, the fact that and he... And he's of course, an outer, really. and yet he's an outer because he's a weird, you know, he's a proper socialist, and so he's, he doesn't know whether he's Arthur or Martha. He's all, <laughs> all over. He's all over the place, and I'm, and I'm not partisan, as you know, Matt. But you know, the, the, no, no, I'm not. No, 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 no. I mean, full credit to some of your. I mean, I saw Tom Blenkinsop today, oh. who's the MP, and I'm very sad to see a um, very able young man like him leaving Parliament for no other reason than. He, he just can't be in the Labour Party anymore. Um, and that is very, very sad. But it, it has to be said, the thing about people like Corbyn is they do not resonate at all with your traditional working-class Labour voters. He couldn't go round eastward. He couldn't go down the Rylands. I mean, you know, you talk about the Outer Mongolia basket weavers and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, and, 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 and people would say to him, what, you know... What the fuck are you only talking about, Jeremy? <laughs> and it would freak the guy out. I mean, he, from Islington, you know. Sorry, but I mean, obviously, you, you, you're slightly part of something because you, you, you know it comes to the, to the blue mass. But I take your point. I mean, I think a lot of people are quite cynical when Conservative MPs like yourself talk about caring about the state of the Labour <coughs> Party or wanting a proper opposition and just presume that you're kind of laughing at the whole thing. I mean, 
For you, no, is, not at all. How serious is it to you to have a functioning opposition and absolutely to have a, a Labour Party specifically that you can respect on? Something? Absolutely critical, and that was all the thing about as as it was all unfolding after the referendum. A classic, because when you're a backbencher, you're you, you've got limitations on what you can do. Certainly compared to the official opposition. So one very good example is that you have this thing called opposition supply days. So the opposition can decide what the topic of debate is going to be. And they decided it was going to be asking for a paper about Brexit and what, the, what it was all going to be. And they forgot, actually not just forgot, the key people didn't understand that the paper you needed to ask for was a white paper. Because a white paper's got more significance than blah, blah, blah. And they actually just had a motion that called on the government to produce a paper. I mean, it's pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. And we won that because we all, you know, there's this gang of us, and we all said we will vote for this Labour motion. And so the government conceded that they would produce a paper. Literally could have been, and I thought it was going to be, one side of A4. A paper about Brexit, you know, our futures, our children and our grandchildren's. And that's why we had to, we had to battle on to get the white paper. And that's why I have a lot of time for Theresa May, because to her credit, when she announced in the House that she would, the government would give a, a white paper. I mean, they would give a white paper. I mean, you know, it sounds like it's a big deal. I mean, which it isn't, sort of normal stuff, which shows the state we're all in. But anyway, and she gave the credit, she said, oh, and as, as the member for Broxstow had asked for this white paper, she didn't need to do that, which was good of her. But that's the job of the bloody opposition. That's exactly what they should have been doing, holding the government's feet to the fire, demanding all this stuff. It's not revolutionary to ask for a deal which is about this country's future and the most important things that we've ever done that we might actually have a chuffing vote on it. In terms of your... I mean, it's not revolutionary, is it? Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. In terms of your conservative values then, so <coughs> how blue are you? You know, In a different world, if the Labour Party was to become resurgent or there was a new centrist party that was pro-European and in five or ten years' time was campaigning on having a referendum to rejoin the EU against a Conservative Party that was still full-bloodedly Brexit, would you be tempted to join that No, party? I mean, I'm, a, I'm an old Ken Clark Tory. I always have been. My politics hasn't changed in 40 years. I mean, little bits of it have, but not much. I've, I've always been very socially liberal. Um, and I've, I'm, I'm fairly dry economic. I'm just like Ken. I don't know whether it's a Nottinghamshire thing, but I am. And as I say, my, my politics have barely changed since I first got involved as a student. But if, if British politics becomes Ulsterized, as in a way it has in Scotland, where the defining issue is, are you pro-union or are you pro-independence? If, if England and Wales goes that way and it becomes, are you pro-European or are you anti-European? And that really hardens as a thing. You're then in a party that you sort of fundamentally disagree with. 
Well, I'm not so sure, you know. I mean, remember that the manifesto that we've been elected on for God knows how many decades has always been pro-EU. It's, it's only because of this referendum. The majority of Tory MPs supported Remain. And it's the, it's the result of the referendum. It's the fact that we lost the darn thing that's buggered everything up. And it has. Did you talk to David Cameron during that period and try and sort of advise him against it? What, about having the referendum? Yeah. No. I mean, I, A, I didn't know him very well at that time, and that's not the point. I thought having a referendum was a good idea. I genuinely thought it was a good idea. I thought we'd win, obviously. You don't get to ask for something that you think you're going to lose. And I thought the British people, sensible, moderate people, will know and understand it's in their economic interests to stay in the EU. I genuinely thought we would win. So did it change your opinion? I was wrong. Did and we should never have had the referendum. But I honestly didn't know. No, but I honestly thought it was the right thing to do because I thought it would lance the boil, settle the matter, shut everybody up, get on with it. And I was wrong. Did it change your opinion of the British people? No, 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 I don't think so. No, it's a really good question, actually. Oh, I don't know. No, I think it was... No, 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 no. We, the problem was essentially that Remain was crap. <laughs> I'm sorry, stronger in the, all of that stuff. Look... For me, how, do, how could I campaign? Because the, my party was not in one side or the other. I got no access to all the data. I would not got much of an enthusiasm. Labour only, only did their own thing, and that was pretty pitiful. And so I, I, what could you do? So you went out on, you stood around in town centres, got quite a lot of abuse, um, because immigration was the, was the big trigger. That was the big thing. And the terrible mistake that was made was that people like me were specifically told when it became that big thing, we are not talking about immigration. And well, that came and from that's Downing a Street. fact, absolutely fact. That came from the, the heart absolutely of Downing Street. Absolutely right. We're not that... talking about it. And my, the other thing was, I used to sit in, this ca in the cabinet, the inn cabinet, and my thing was, I, I, I said it on everyone, I said, I'm really worried about where Labour is. And it was every time it was, Labour's fine. They'll, it's all fine. I thought, it's not effing fine, because I know what's going out there in the real world, and Labour's not getting it together. And if they don't, if they don't deliver their vote, we're, we're absolutely jiggered. <laughs> and, it's, and it's true. It was, it was, it, that was what we needed. And they couldn't deliver it. So that, that sort of dictat from, from Downing Street, not to mention immigration, I mean, was that, is that proof, do you think, that, that Cameron put the interests of his party ahead of... No, no, it wasn't because they, they, it was, this, is, this is political tactics gone completely wrong. They thought, no, no, don't talk about, you know, don't talk issue. about immigration. It, 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 you know, don't just talk about the economy. So they applied all these sort of, if you like, the rules that had won us the general election to the referendum, not realising that it was completely blooming different, totally different. At what point did you realise the referendum was lost? Um, it was the, um, I think it was the end of May when I was out in Nottingham City Centre and I've never seen anything since, like that since the 70s. And I'd go up to people and I'd say, EU referendum, in or out? And they'd go, out, I'm out. All these immigrants, get them out. It was that bad, Matt. I mean, in terms of what that referendum And I'd not seen that, as I say, since the 70s. In terms so of what that referendum know. unlocked... How quickly do you think that will dissipate? Or is that a sort of rationale that we're going to have to live with that's going to fester? What, the anti-immigration thing? Yeah, because it legitimised a lot of it in some people's Oh, of course eyes. it did. 
I mean, hate crime is still running higher than it was this time last year, still running higher. Um, and because it's, it has um, enabled people to say, like the, the, the man in talking about Newark saying that nobody speaks English in Newark, it enabled people to say the most stupid and nonsensical things. And the trouble is, is nobody's calling it out and challenging it. But the culture is the not the just the, the referendum we've had in this country. This whole culture of fake news and alternative facts is that people aren't exposing themselves to a wider variety of opinions. They're narrowing in, whether it's echo chambers on social media and the algorithms <coughs> that, that en enable you to only listen to things you agree with, or cherry-picking even more so with, with media that's even less rigorous than the Daily Mail and less rigorous than the tabloids with blogs like the Canary or, you know, Breitbart or whatever it is, where people are... It, 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 it's so little news, it's basically homeopathic now. It's just all opinion. <laughs> That's just going to get worse. My, my view on this is that the future... This is very corny, I know, but it's true. Is, is, is youngsters and it's children. Children so, of the future. They are. <laughs> no, but the, it, it's, that's what we have to do. And so one of the things that... If Some I'm... of them are real little shits. <laughs> Don't think, can't say oh, that. Oh, they're brats, some of them. Can't say that. Oh, crikey. Brings, brings out the conservative in me when I see... <laughs> no, no, I mean, if I get re-elected, one thing I want to do is actually... And I, I've, there's a number of other key players in our county who want to do the same thing, where we go into schools and we talk about our history as a county and why, and therefore you talk about it, why immigration has been positive and beneficial and, and so on and so forth. And that's what we have to do. So a sort of new level of political education in schools that is, what, non-partisan or where you well, allow... Well, of course it would be non-partisan, but you would well, do you teach... you allow different groups to come in because... No, you would, you would part of that community. citizenship is to explain to people about the richness and the diversity and how that came about, whether it's the, the Polish fighter pilots, whether it's the Ugandan Asians that were booted out by Idi Amin that came into large parts of... I mean, I remember in Worksop where I think we had three black families in the whole of Worksop, uh, and this, this family came in from Uganda who'd been booted out and because everybody talked about it because they hadn't seen an Asian family. Um, and you need to explain how that happened and we gave people a home and, and they were brilliant and wonderful and contributed. You, know, you have to do all that stuff. Do you think you'd be allowed to do it's that? It's not rocket science. Yeah, why wouldn't you be able to do it? We're well, meant to be teaching, teaching people citizenship. Yeah, That's no, what it's about. The is that you launch a campaign like that and people say, oh, you're trying to politicise children. You know, they're, I'm they're trying to politicise them. I'm teaching them their history. If they happen to take away a better view of migration and immigration... What's not to like about that? Well, I agree with that, but there are... But no, but teach you know, if you... If people, if people under, like my story, <laughs> what did you say? Well, I hear that. That's 52% of people that might take a different view and say, actually... No, lots of... Immigration <coughs> depression. No, no, because... No, no, we do know that amongst Leave, a lot of Leave people did not vote because of immigration. Uh, but it was an issue, and it still is an issue out there. What's wrong with teaching people, teaching children about their history? And then they begin to understand and be outward-looking. We, we're meant to teach children about different religions, which is meant to make us more tolerant and not just knowledgeable, but also that's part of tolerance yeah. and so on. So why not about the, the history of a particular county? I mean, you, you talk about sort of tolerance and abuse and things. I, I was in two months before <coughs> to ask you about this, but I've started now. Um, you've had some... Not just the sort of comedic abuse you've had on the doorstep, but serious stuff 
recently where you received a death threat that was... I've had was, two. One went to prison this week. Um, someone who said that he was going to... Joe Cox... Well, there were two. There were two. There was a guy who rang the office, the constituency office, and um, made horrible references to Joe Cox, and my staff had... My team had to take those calls, and that's the one that went to prison this week, and he got eight weeks, which I... Which, as an old criminal barrister, which I also used to be, um, that was a quite... That's a very strong sentence, actually, because it wasn't an actual threat, but it was a reference, so it was under the Malicious Communications Act, um, and he got eight weeks immediate custodial sentence, and he pleaded guilty as well. And then there's another one who did a tweet, and they're, they're still working out whether they're going to charge him or not. And that was along a similar lines. Yeah, we were, and it was in the same week as well. And it did it, it did scare me. I was a bit sort of... Well, I was wobbled by all that. It was not pleasant. But it was the staff. I mean, you know, they shouldn't have to take this shit, should they? No, not at all, but the, the threat's against you. Yeah, so, I, was, I, I was a bit wobbled that week. I didn't like that. And do you, think, do you think there is a more febrile atmosphere on the streets of Britain towards politicians than there was maybe even ten years ago? No, because you know what? One of the really weird things is, is that people will often say, well, my MP, you know, he's really good. They do a really not good job. <laughs> no, obviously not. <laughs> or not down the island. <laughs> and um, I'd say there's that. And then th they never then sort of then think, well, actually, all around the whole of Britain... All these people talking about their MP being all right and then slagging them all off as a group, if you like. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I just think what people got really hacked off with is when you get this spin and people can't answer a question. I mean, I know I listen to people and they don't answer a question straight and you start to sort of sling things at the telly and, or at the radio because you say, oh, just answer the freaking question. But you must have been in the position where you've had to, particularly as a minister, where... You've had to evade a little bit. Um, sometimes, but not that much. I always remember I was asked by... I mean, it's not exactly exciting stuff. But there was a big debate at one point, well, probably in the Westminster bubble, about uh, plain packaging and cigarettes. Yes. And uh, I remember my um, civil servant saying, now, on no account whatsoever, Minister, must you give your own opinion. You mustn't do that. And I was being interviewed by John Humphreys on, on the Today programme. And I can remember it now, so I was sitting at the kitchen table. And he said, uh, so, Minister, do you believe in the plain packaging of cigarette packets? And I, and I knew he was thinking that. I said, well, you know, we have to consider. I went, I do, actually. I think it's a really good idea. And there was this complete silence in the end of the, Complete silence. Because I'd actually... And he went, um... Right, OK, right, fine. <clears throat> and it was, you know, it was very disarming. But, yeah, <clears throat> sorry. We need more of that. People aren't stupid. They know when you're prevaricating. They know when you, you know, is gay sex a sin? How many times do you have to ask the question without getting a proper, nearly said a straight answer? <laughs> <laughs> Why has no one done that joke before? <laughs> Why haven't I done that joke before? Well, you'd do it better than me. Oh, we're doing that joke tomorrow night or whatever gig I'm doing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I promised that we'd come back to John McDonnell. Um, you, were, you were on a... Well, you were on Question Time. One of the best episodes of Question Time in the modern era. And it was you and... John McDonnell and Alistair Campbell. Oh, my new friend. I've got all these new friends. <laughs> Alistair it was, Campbell. It was an absolute rumble of an episode. Oh, yeah. And you company. turned on John McDonnell and backed Alistair Campbell up over him. In fact, you've probably got more stuck in 
than Alistair Campbell did. No, they well. got stuck in, in the green room afterwards. I ran off because I knew that with... Because I don't do that stuff where I say something but can't say it to somebody's face. Mm. And I thought, don't... Just go, because I knew I'd go over to him and give him, you know, a um, bit well, of a verbal... bit well, of a verbal, well, yeah. And I thought, no, no, don't, just go. And apparently Campbell did, and they got started. It was pretty much nearly fisticuffs and everything. But, yeah... I just think he's an abs. I think he's a grade one disgrace of a human being. <laughs> one, one because he's an IRA apologist. Yeah, yeah. Secondly, uh, and he really is. And he you needs know, just those weasel words which say, "If I've offended somebody, I apologise." No, actually, don't give me that shit. Uh, you know, retract what you said. Not this this weasel words about if I've offended you. Yeah, that's just one thing. Also, because he, he basically made threats against Esther McVeigh, which was bang out of order. Yeah. And thirdly, I've got friends who are Labour women MPs who've had the most appalling abuse on social media from so-called Corbynistas. And he could have stopped that, and he bloody hasn't. He's, an, he's a disgrace. Oh, God, I'm going off on a rant again. So have you ever sort of dealt with other than on question time? No. Well, he's one of those sort of characters you never even see around the place. Because he does have that habit when he has his words repeated back to him, like, uh, on, I think it was honouring people through the bullets in the ballot box or whatever that the was phrase it. was. That was it. Um, through the history of Irish republicanism. Um, when he's then presented with these words, he does that thing where he'll talk deliberately, quietly. Like yeah, that's right. And I was just trying to fight for peace and bloody Northern Ireland. Mm. I'm through gritted bloody teeth here. You know? <coughs> and that's a weird thing he does. When he was on Andrew Mark, what <laughs> camera am I on here? What bloody <laughs> camera am I? You got, I've never seen anyone clearly so ready to scream, having to contain themselves as much as, as John McDonnell does. I mean, he's, he's quite a phenomenon in Parliament, isn't he? In terms no, of his, not at all. But it, Well, in terms of how... <laughs> he's got no presence, he's got he, no charisma, he's got no abilities at the dispatch box. He's a non-event. But it, <laughs> Well, you know, you see other people at the dispatch box and you, you admire them. They, they can speak well and they've got... Ed Balls yeah. was, was great at the dispatch box and you could see when he got into... You know, he loved it and he would be over here and over there and take an intervention and everything else. And, you, you know, so there's an admiration for that. Of course there is. McDonald, complete non-event of a human being and everything. Non-event. <laughs> Sorry, but... But that's remarkable, isn't it, when you see someone like that who is a totemic figure in the Labour Party now, unable to command respect even on the, the immediate bench behind. Oh, yeah, and, and of course, because you, when you sit in the House of Commons uh, and you look across, and like today, you, know, you looked at the faces of Chucker, uh, Rachel... I just, there was a group, Chucker, there was Rachel Reeves, I think Chris Leslie was there. And I, I like Chucker and Muna hugely. I, I really do like Chucker. And their faces were just leaden, they were just solid, sitting behind Corbyn as he was doing his thing. And they, they all, they're all like that. And then the next thing that happens is there's a breakout of the phones and the iPads, and they're all on their phones going... Like that, just... It, it, it's, it is Can dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> Get me out of here, yeah. So it, it's not, it is not good. Well, that's what you see when you look over there. When people look over at the Conservative bench and they see you sat up in that back corner with Tim Lawton and... What, what's he you call yourselves? Rough Trade? Yeah, with a rough crew. No, yeah, something rough like that. Well, we don't call ourselves that. Tim Lawton does. Well, 
It's Timmy's problem, not <laughs> But there's a, what I'm getting at is you're in a group of MPs. Yeah, we are loud and we're... A, yeah, we are as a group of us and we are loud. Quite naughty. It's quite funny because when George Osborne walked in for the first time after, you know, obviously, being sacked, and you could see this moment when he looked up and he thought, now, where am I going to sit? And, he, and we all went... It's <laughs> <laughs> true. And you could, you could see him thinking... <laughs> and there was nowhere else. We were going, come on, George, we'll look after you. And I was, come on, come and sit here. <laughs> because you're thinking, the back of the bus. <laughs> I can't get out of it. I can't. He's got nowhere else to go. But he did. He actually has come and sat with us. <laughs> but so this. Who else is in that group then? You, Tim Lawton. So it runs. There's Keith Simpson. Yes. And then there's uh, Tim Lawton. Then there's me. And then there's different characters in different seats at different times. But there'll be um, Alex Shelbrook, who's that enormous man from Yorkshire. He comes and because we all go, oh fuck, don't get him to come and see. He'll take up two seats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alex. Go down there. Oh, no, he's going to come. So there's Alec and then Nicky and, and Alistair Burton and then Simon Burns always sits there and Caroline Noakes and then there's other people who have sat there and you can see them thinking, oh, my God, this is awful and they never come back. It's like being in with the ultras. Yeah. <laughs> like being in the away end. So it's we're loud. And then you've got, you've got some... You've got other, so we're quite a mix in a way because Carl McCartney, who's from um, Lincoln, he always comes up there. What do you say to me? Because a lot of people say, oh, Prime Minister Questions is too rowdy and the way these... It is rowdy, it's appalling. And, and Burko gets very annoyed with you all. Um, he only gets annoyed if he's not the star. <laughs> but can you justify your behaviour in the comments? No. <laughs> it is bad. No, it is. I am conscious. But it's quite interesting that my eldest daughter... <laughs> That's dreadful. Um, just not long after I got elected in 2010, my oldest daughter came in and she'd done all this thing and she'd gone, oh, it's disgusting, yeah, you're, it's just appalling. And she came in and she was in the public gallery yeah. and, and obviously I met her afterwards and she said, oh, so it was absolutely amazing. She said, you can't understand and appreciate the atmosphere because it is much smaller, much more intimate than people ever imagine and she thought it was amazing. And that's the reaction from people is when they actually experience it. So you think about it, where else is there in, in the world where, you know, the leader of that country literally is standing there and the leader of the opposition is not that far away and they are, you know, held to account. Well, that's the, that's the theory. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not been happening for a long bloody time. No, I mean, I, I, I love the atmosphere of the Commons. I think it needs to be a bit rowdy. I think you can no, I, I, I think I think a lot of people get a bit hacked off with it. Actually. Have you ever shouted anything that you've regretted? No, and I was accused of using foul language, and I do sometimes use bad. Oh, I do use bad language. There's certain words I never use, and I never use the c word ever anywhere. Conservative. Over there, so get their name and number. Um, you wouldn't use that in Parliament anyway, would you? But but I mean, I never swear in the chamber. So I feel, I nearly said, I feel like I'm in court. <laughs> but I never used to shout in court and behave, but misbehave in court. But, I mean, you, you know, you, you are conscious. But then sometimes you forget that there are these things called cameras because they're quite discreet. And you forget that actually things are being broadcast. So what sort of things would you say then? Oh, shut up. Um, no, actually, I don't say shut up. Um, 
Uh, it's things like, um, I'm just trying to think what the sort of things you'll say is, um, change the record. I mean, that's really exciting, isn't it? Oh, change the record. Or look behind you, we say to Jeremy, look behind you. Look behind you, look behind you. And then Angus Robertson stands up from the SNP and we all, we all, there's this, <laughs> which is an awful thing to have to put out with. Tim Farron gets that. And, then, and Tim Farron. Actually, I'm not, I didn't used to be that rude to Tim Farron. But with Angus Robertson, the, the joke today was we sh I'm shouting out, Tory Yane. Because <laughs> he, he's, he's, well, you, know, you never know what might happen. Because he's in Aberdeenshire. Yeah, in Murray. It was very close. I think there was only yep. sort of 100 votes. Mm -hmm. uh, difference between even Remain in... Uh, yeah, and Ruth Davidson's done a cracking job. So, you know, it's all changing in Scotland. I mean, obviously, it's still going to be huge numbers of SNP, but it could be that Labour lose their... And can you believe we're even having this conversation? Labour could actually lose their only MP in Scotland. It's phenomenal. Because I used to live in Scotland, so I know a little bit Where about... Where Well, I, I, um, I was... Oh, it's a long story, and this audience will go mad if they haven't heard it. But, um, but I, I was the honorary president of Stirling University. So I stood as an English Tory and got elected at the most left-wing university in Scotland. This is obviously, you know, before most of you lot were born. So it was back in the um, early 80s. And so I got a job in a wonderful place called Alloa and I worked on a newspaper. I did that for a year. Then I ended up in Aberdeen. And I worked in Aberdeen for Grampian for two years, Grampian TV. So then, that shut you up, didn't it? Well, did, but it, 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 I did just want to just return just to just to that sort of naughty corner of Parliament because that seems yeah. to me, whenever <coughs> Conservatives laugh, that's the bit that Corbyn always looks at. He always seems to be looking almost. I wonder if he's... Well, it's because we're the noisiest bit. But has he ever eyeballed you directly? Or no, no. Been? And actually, I had a conversation. See, he's a nice man. I don't say he's not a nice man at all. And I was standing getting uh, some coffee in PCH, which is Port Cullis House, and um, I was in the queue and he was there. And uh, so we started chatting. And we, we, I can't remember. We, he started, we started talking about the hours that Parliament works. And he said, oh, yes, it needs to be more family-friendly and everything. And then he, I said something about being back on the back benches. And he said, um, he said yes, he said, and you're very good at that. I got an endorsement from Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Don't tell your constituents, for God's sake. Uh, <laughs> but no, but I mean, you know, we just chatted away. So it's just right. like your geography teacher, really, you know. And off he got, and he got that little black cap thing on, and Seamus was lurking in the background. He looks like a seriously nasty piece of wood. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, we got our coffees, and off, that was it, off, off we went. Just a special moment with Jeremy. It was just weird. It's like something off a sort of internet dating advert or something. Going... Now you're being sick. Right? <laughs> <clears throat> but, you know, I, I just think the guy's way out of his depth. Well, he never wanted this, you know. No, that's true. He never wanted, and it is a, it is really sad, because you know you do want good you do want good strong oppositions, and to see a great party, and the Labour Party is a great party, but to see it in the state it's in, Matt, is bad stuff. It is. Well, let's try and let's try and bad find stuff. some levity in the room by opening it up to audience questions. So we'll take uh, three or four. Can ask for quick questions, please, and quick answers, and we'll wrap up. Right, okay, right, right, good. Possibly can. Good. Yes, the oh, lady wow. at the back there. Just wait. We'll get a roving microphone to you. Uh, Yes, the lady with her hand in the air. She's still there? Yes, and let us know your name. <coughs> and uh, a quick question, a quick answer, please. Hi, I'm Julia. Um, I'm just wondering who you thought the Labour leader would be that the Tories would be most afraid of? Oh, Yvette Great Cooper. Question. Yvette Cooper. Oh. Yvette Cooper is. And you know what? She asked a question, I think it was the other week. That's pre MQs. Stunning. 
I think Yvette has really grown. And I think that if there is um, in stature and ability and everything else, and, Heights. you know, no, 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 the Labour Party, you know, oh, if they so. get rid of the Corbyn, all that stuff, and Yvette Cooper, and she will be a formidable opponent. She's very, she's very good. Yvette Cooper gets Anna Subri's vote in the next no, leadership no, no. contest. No, 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 don't vote. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, okay. she's, she's a nice human being. Oh, yes, there's a chap over there waving. We'll, we'll get a, um, well, if anyone else would just like to indicate, so I know where to come to next. Yes, down the front. And the balcony. We'd like to ask for, yes, okay, cool. Hello. Hello. Hi. I just wanted to say, I've not been to Nottingham in my adult life, and I understand you have some of the best and most historic pubs in England. Yeah, so yes. Jerusalem. That's not my question. Exactly, that Jerusalem one. But no, that's not my question. I just wanted to say, I'm a Tory member, and I was a lead voter, but um, okay. it's nothing to do with immigration. It, my, my actual point on immigration was that I don't think we should be prioritising anyone from the EU over some talented doctors from India or... IT people from anywhere in the world. I mean, I'm a very libertarian view on that. Um, I would like to see England being not protectionist, but going out there and being free trading the world. My opinion was always that the EU was a protectionist block, and perhaps I'm slightly silly and, silly and idealistic. But as as your stance on things, and obviously you're on the free trading kind of thing, now that you know you've lost. Can you champion people like me who voted for Brexit that was all about immigration around the world and about free trade around the world? Can we go for that kind of thing now and not a closed England kind of Brexit? Well, you, you might be right, but the trouble is, you, you, that's not what a lot of other people voted for. And, and unfortunately, um, it's at large that um, you know, people are going to be very disabused like you, thinks that there are going to be more people coming in from countries like India. I mean, sorry, but get real. I mean, well, it's true, isn't it? I mean, you know, people... Um, I think it is moving. I think the government's moving on this, but the idea that the hard Brexiteers actually want more... You know, we know that certain people went into the temples, the Sikh temples, and said to them, you know, well, vote, vote to leave the EU, and more people will be coming from India. And it's like, you know, it's just so blatantly dishonest. Because this so-called control means the fewer immigrants... But actually, the government is understanding the, the, the benefits of immigration, and I think they're beginning to shift their policy. But, I mean, I, I mean I've got... And it's not just friends that voted for Leave. I mean, people in my own office, young, young, two, two of the young ones in my office, they people voted Leave. People used to work in your office. <laughs> no, they still do. They still do. And they had this thing about sovereignty and stuff that I really don't want to talk about again because we just, you know, we lost and we had to move on. But do you, do you sort of banter about it with them? Is there a sort of... Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's quite interesting as to the, the shift that's going on. Because on immigration, for example, they are hor they've been horrified by some of the stuff. And so they've said, hang on, this is not what I thought Brexit was all about. What do they expect? Well, I know, lovely, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> OK, there's a, uh, the lady down at the front, please. Uh, we'll get the microphone down here, Pav. Thank you very much. I would say you seem possibly out of um, touch with most of your colleagues.
conservative views on various different things. I wonder what your view is on grammar schools. It seems like a very high touring priority. Well, you might well be right. I might actually be out of kilter on that one. <laughs> I, I think that really hacks me off is this idea that grammar schools give you choice. It makes me very angry because I, because the one thing you don't, you don't choose to go to a grammar school. You have to pass an exam to go to a grammar school, and and I'm somebody who did pass my eleven plus. That's how old I am, and um, and then we went comprehen comprehensive after well, two years. Hmm? Depends when you passed it. No, I did. I, no, and and then we went comprehensive, and this is so so long ago. You know, for God's sakes, we've moved on. And actually, if you want to know how to improve schools, look at what happened in London. And London schools have improved phenomenally, and they didn't have to introduce the 11 plus to do it. They did it without selection at 11. Selection at 11 is a bad idea, in my opinion. There you go, straight answer. So the final question, up oh. on the balcony. Have you got the microphone? I think the microphone's still down here. Sorry, Pav. It's the chap up at the balcony. The microphone is coming right at the back. If you just pop your hand up in the air so that Pav can see when he when he comes up. Uh, and it's his customary. This is the last question. It will be the best question ever asked. <laughs> no pressure. Here we go. No pressure. Uh, thanks for the pressure. Oh, hold on. Pav's got to turn it on when he gets back down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> sort, of, sort of Mario game. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, that's a lot of pressure, but... Um, Look, it's, it's wonderful hearing you speak so passionately about immigration and the, the, the pros of it and why we should support it. Um, I do think some of the negativities around uh, is around a lack of integration or a perceived lack of integration. I'd be interested in your thoughts on, on integration and, and how we can promote it, how we can enable it better. It, integration what, between...? With, with migrant community, with migrants oh, yeah, into been... their communities. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you go where there are... Genu where there are if you go to places like Boston... And in Lincolnshire. In Le Lincolnshire. No, but seriously, that's... Yeah, these are these... What? Not in America. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people have never heard of Boston and Lincolnshire. Yes, but he didn't think I thought about going to Boston in America, did he? I anyway. to the UK. <laughs> anyway. I was kidding. If you, if you, if you go... So, anyway, if you were to go to Boston in Lincolnshire, right, just off the A52, yeah, there are, there are you, this is my thing about immigration, is that you get that initial thing that says, well, you know, it's all rubbish and there's all these Poles and Latvians and Lithuanians, and, you know, there's all these shops, and you go, yeah, they're shops, they've got people in them. So I tell you what, we'll leave the EU, we'll get rid of all these migrant workers, and then what will be in the shops? Nothing. They'll all close. <laughs> so that sounds like a really good idea. And look, I mean... Well, potatoes and daffodils at the very least. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so, I mean, people who've come here... Um, yes, the sh integration. Of course you should integrate. People should get to know other communities and, and, and other backgrounds and everything else. And if you, actually, the best thing I can say is go to Leicester. Look at what's happened in the city of Leicester where there's no one racial group that ha is in the majority. And I think things have absolutely worked out in, in Leicester. They won the Premier League. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And if you go and watch, if you go and watch, a do you know one of the great things, and I do actually, because I watch quite a lot of football, and I don't just watch it at home on the telly, but I also try and go to games. I go and watch Notts County. 
I actually saw them win. <laughs> First time in four years. But if you go to... But then, one of the great things that's happened in Leicester, so you go watch Leicester Tigers, which I do, you'll find very few Asian people are watching Leicester Tigers. Well, it's the still, rugby team. It's the rugby team, and it's still a, pretty much a white sort of game. Go and watch Leicester City, and it's much more integrated. And it's just that thing about we're, we're all Brits, and, our, and our, our heritage and where we've come from is really great and interesting, and you can still be a Brit, and it's just like... God, and crucially, as you, as you point out, football's better than rugby. <laughs> no, if it's good. Um, all right, all right, let's not get no, any, any, if it's whether it's good. And God, I watch Notts County, and sometimes it's so bad it's not true. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this this thing about it. What you don't want is when you have pockets of people, whoever they may be, who keep themselves entirely to themselves. And actually, the biggest problem we have is that there are some there are some parts of Britain where you've got some communities that are totally inward looking. And that, that's not good. You've got to have, all of us got to be outward looking. And actually, and not just you, not, I'm not having a go at this guy here, but one of the things that does define remain over leavers, and not all, because you can't stereotype, is that it tended to be that if you were a remainer, you had much more of an open outlook. Whatever your class and background was, you were much more that way. And it tended to be that more that, that leavers were more inward looking and kind of wanted to retreat back to something that we probably never had anyway. And, you know, remainers were a bit outward looking. So we should all be outward looking and embrace. What, right now? <laughs> Group hug at the end of a show. Uh, Anna, it has been an absolute Absolutely. treat. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Thank you again for being such a wonderful audience. The yeah, next very show good. is the special at the Soho Theatre on election night, June the 8th. Tickets for that will be on sale in the next couple of days. And we'll get a number of politicians down, as well as having a full big screen <coughs> service and a bar and competitions and prizes and all the rest of it. Might be one of the few places in London you can go to a bar that's going to be open all night and drink and watch the results, whether you're celebrating or commiserating, whatever it is. Uh, so they'll be, just follow me on Twitter, at Matt Ford, to see uh, when those tickets are on sale. The next show here, at the end of May, my guest is Andy Burnham. Uh, in June, it's William Haig. Ooh. Um, ooh. I think they've already sold out, but always check with the box office for returns. Ladies and gentlemen, you're always fantastic, but please give a huge thank you to the wonderful Anna Subri. There you go, Anna Subri. Uh, as entertaining as I'm sure you would have imagined and hoped. Um, there's so much in that interview to take away from it, um, whether it's her relationship with other Conservative MPs. But what I really like is the amount of fun she has in politics, that she really enjoys it. She's very passionate about what she believes in, she's very clear about what she believes, and very emotional about it, but on top of that, absolutely loves it. Loves the cut and thrust of it, loves interacting with the public. And they are, I always find the most inspirational politicians, the ones that really enjoy the day-to-day -day of it. And uh, it was really interesting her saying that she couldn't justify her behaviour in Parliament, because I thought she would stand behind it a bit more. Maybe she was just joking, but what a wonderful guest. Uh, and as I said earlier, um, wonderful times ahead. Uh, two series of Unspun, uh, including a, an election series, which will start very, very soon. The first episode is recorded on the Wednesday the 17th of May, and you can get free tickets to that at tvrecordings.com. That's every Wednesday and Sunday from the 17th of May for three weeks. The special election night show that you can come to on the June the 8th, 
on election night, obviously, at the Soho Theatre. Uh, and as with all political party events, it's not about one particular side. So whoever you support, come along and enjoy watching uh, on what will be an inc- uh, such an eventful night, obviously, as all elections are. But really, it'd be fascinating to see what happens in Scotland, what happens to the Labour Party. Will the Tories get the majority that people think... Is there a pol- you know, possibility of a hung parliament? Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, in all seriousness, we probably do know what's going to happen. But watching it all unfold, the thrills and the spills, is, is always something exciting. So I'm planning to have some guests. We'll stop and watch the, opinion- the exit poll sorry, at 10 o'clock and then have reaction to that with live guests on the stage as well as the full coverage, fun games uh, and prizes as well. Uh, so that's at the Soho Theatre on the evening of the election. 8th of June, and you can get those tickets at sohotheatre.co.uk. Thanks very much, as always, for downloading, and I will see you soon. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.